This week's episode is brought to you by Needham Woodworks. And if you don't know who Needham Woodworks is, well, I don't believe you. But in case you're telling the truth about that, they make fine Eurorack cases out of wood. They're, they're, they're like, seriously, if you get one, it'll be the nicest piece of furniture in your house, um, if a case is furniture. Either way, it's my prized possession. Mine's name is Adele. It's made out of ash. It's, it's a nice, it's a, I love it so much. Um, anyways, go check out NeedhamWoodworks.com. Uh, they also do power uh, with their Eschatonic Modular. So if you're building your own Eurorack case, a DIY case, and you need power, uh, go check out the Eschatonic series. It's very, very good. It's what's in my case. It's very quiet, clean, never had an issue with it. Um, and also after later audio, please check out their Heritage line, the Filthy Filter, the uh, NV Envelope Generator, and the Bosque Oscillator. They're all 6 HP. They're all around 100 bucks, and they're all very, very high quality. So whether you're just starting out or a seasoned veteran, they're perfect for your case. This crunchy little jam was made on my new Korg Wave State. I just got it a few days ago, and uh, I didn't have to wait for shipping. And I know what you're thinking. Tim, there's a global pandemic. How is this possible? Well, I'll tell you how it's possible. Patchwork Seattle is now open for curbside pickup daily, noon to 6 p.m., except holidays. Now, don't worry. If you don't live in Seattle and you can't do the curbside pickup... They have fast and free shipping to all USA addresses. With a new and improved website, Patchworks is offering a whole lot of new products from Electron, Novation, WMD, 4MS, Moog, as well as restocks from major brands like IntelliGel and Mutable Instruments. Please head to patchworks.com to browse their amazing inventory and help keep our local, like the heartbeat of our local scene here still beating. Patchworks.com P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S dot com Those who know not only that the everlasting lives in them, but that what they and all things really are is the everlasting Dwell in the grooves of the wish-fulfilling trees, drink the brew of immortality, and listen everywhere to the unheard music of eternal concord. These are the immortals. That was a passage from The Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell, and I wanted to share it with you because I simultaneously aspire to what the passage was talking about, but also feel myself relating to it, even though when I do, it's brief and it's rare and fleeting. And I'm sure you've felt this too. These moments where we're free of desire and free of fear are when we truly make communion with the everlasting. So next time this happens, acknowledge it and be happy that it happened and patiently await for the next time that it comes. Okay, that'll do for the hippie shit. My name is Tim Held and this is Podular Modcast.
back to another episode of Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held. This week we have Shanda Nunez, aka Travarsi, on the show. And we're going to talk about her work with noise engineering and Perfect Circuit. And I think those of you out there who are maybe feeling stuck professionally and like you don't see a clear way out or don't know exactly what steps you need to take to get out, um, I think this episode will be particularly inspiring for you. So yes, please stick around. Um, how are y'all holding up? How you doing? Is it getting weirder? Are we normalizing? Is anybody else tired of hearing the term new normal? So many fucking buzzwords these days. So, uh... <laughs> Uh, I just want to talk about my uh, my new wave state from Korg. Uh, what you hear right now playing behind me. Actually, everything that you've heard in this episode up until now has been from the Korg wave state. Um, however, this is the first uh, preset that I've used. Everything else behind this, temporally, is... Uh, <laughs> so dumb. Is uh, So everything before that little thing and what you're hearing right now... Uh, stuff I made but now I'm just going through some of the presets because some of them are just like they're so they're so I don't know they're, they're like they're funny they make me laugh um this thing is like it's exactly what I was looking for in a synthesizer really um while it is very 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 deep and it takes a really long time to set up the thing that you want but once you do, oh boy. But let's uh, let's talk about these presets again for a moment because they're just, they're cracking me up. Um, this one's called Little Tokyo at Night. Um, yeah, so it's it's insanely deep. It's insanely deep and it's really, uh, it's really quenching my thirst. I just, I wanted a synth that I could play like with polyphony and I hooked it up to my 88 key electric Yamaha piano. So I have like a full like piano size to play and with weighted keys and all that. Um, and I'm trying to get back. I feel like I could just write better melodically. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm kind of aimed at uh, drums and guitar processing via modular and then, um, you know, wave state for everything else, hopefully. Uh, and I got a mutant brain from, uh, what, do, what are they called? Hex inverter. Um, so I can sync the MIDI to my modular stuff, which is the first time I've ever done that. So, um, yeah, I'm growing up, I guess. Um, but I just want to take you on a little tour of some of these sounds that I made really quick. Um, this is not an advertisement at all. I wish Korg was sponsoring me, but, um, I just think it's really cool. So let's see this one. Just a really nice, nice. Um, what I really love about this is uh, I, can, I, I kind of have a Rhodes now. I mean, pretty dang close. Uh, this one I call Glory. Check this one out. Now it's cool, it's got this vector synthesis. So this is four layers, so check this out. I got this horn thing going. And then I'm mixing that with an organ. So it's just the organ. It's mixed a little quieter. And then I've got this thing where I'm actually, so this layer that you're gonna hear is, uh, it's eight different string samples that crossfade in between each other over time, so. And then finally, uh, there's this like string section. 
And then all together, it sounds like this. And this one I call uh, PI smoke. It just reminds me of like a, like a private investigator, like a um, like a pulp, like a pulp novel or something. You know, like she came into my office one morning. She was soaking from all the rain, or was it the tears? See, she hadn't seen her sister. Since the last time they went out drinking and dancing down at the old eight ball lounge. She always knew Tony Teglioni was trouble. She never thought she'd have to try to talk her sister out of going and going home with him. Anyways, yeah, this thing's really fun. But that's enough of the wave state for now. Um, what you hear fading up behind me is uh, a song called Where Is the River off of my album Stephanie's Synthesizer, which is available on timhill.bandcamp.com. But also, each track is available um, in a Dropbox folder because I want you to take some of them or all of them and rework them or finish them or sample them. Um, it's called I'm calling my Open Source Stems Project, and you can do whatever you want with this stuff um, because these songs are pretty minimal so the dropbox link is in the show description also i've been talking about it for about a month now but it's still going strong join up with the discord server it's a lot of fun um there's a link invite link there in the description as well um what else is going on i've got some notes uh i just want to thank everybody who has signed up for patreon recently um if you signed up at the shout out level i'm letting them build up a little bit so um your, the shoutouts are coming. Uh, I also want to say that if you have signed up recently at the Patchstagram level, then send me some words and I will make a patch out of them for you. Um, I also want to just really quick give a shout out to CV Freaks podcast. Uh, S, that's uh, C-V-F-R-E-Q-S um, on YouTube. Um, yeah, Eden, who does that show, did... Uh, did a patch challenge for uh, her most recent episode on on youtube so go check that out please um and there's one more thing oh yeah recovery effects they just released the new motormatic which is a, a little ring modulator and it's i love it i have the original one which i think is 10 or 12 hp the new one is four maybe it's three Either way, it is significantly smaller, and it's half the price. Um, so, I don't know. I, I just love what Greg does over at Recovery. Um, DivKid just did a, a really awesome demo of the Bad Comrade, which you've heard me talk about quite a few times. It's one of my uh, favorite modules. And uh, I've been using a lot of guitar through modular lately, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, splitting my signal and running it into my various distortions and uh Bad Comrade is one of those, and I can't wait for my Motormatic to uh, to start doing some wacky stuff uh, with a guitar and that. I also want to give a shout-out to uh, the AI Synthesis VCA mixer. Um, I'm reviewing it right now for Waveform Magazine. Uh, Abe sent it to me a while ago, and um, this thing is amazing. Uh, and, and one thing that I've noticed from my students as I'm giving these, uh, these lessons, they're more like consultations, really, but um, is... 
I feel like not a lot of people have good mixing solutions for their their case. Um, and this is four VCAs, uh, with, and each, each one has its own individual output, but it also has a mix. So um, individual volume knobs for each one, and then a mix level. And what I really love about it is uh, there is like, you, there's these, I don't know exactly, they're labeled RSP, I should probably look them up, but they're, they're little attenuators, you turn them all the way up, and it adds some serious drive, overdrive to the, to the, um, to the channel. And what I find is if you put some, some really beefy stuff through there uh, that isn't percussive, you can make it very percussive. In fact, let me just show you what that sounds like really quick, because I have it patched up. So what you hear right now are um, the fundamental, even, odd, and core outputs um, from the Generate 3 all going to the VCA mixer from AI Synthesis. Um, I have the RSP knobs all the way down. So this is just what they sound like going through the VCA, and they're all mixed down into one mono channel. Um, so I'm using different gates to open different uh, envelopes to trigger the four channels on the mixer. So pretty simple, but here's where it gets really fun. So I'm going to crank up the, uh, the RSP one really quick. So there's drive on the first channel, drive on the second, drive on the third channel. And let's, put a, let's just put a random sequence into the one volt octave really quick. It's just a really nice, clean crunch. Let's open these uh, envelopes up a little bit more. So again, without the crunch, let's take the crunch out. So they're already kind of square wavy, some of them, but not all of them. In fact, let's see, just to show you how the cool this crunch is, these are kind of a little more sine wavy. So they still add a lot of crunch to uh, even smooth waveforms. And we'll close these envelopes again really quick, because I thought it was kind of cool with everything a little more staccato. Take the one volt per So it, like it's it's pretty percussive. Especially if you close the let's close these envelopes even more. And I think without the uh Yeah. Without the drive it's not as percussive. So anyways, if you're looking for a cool uh VCA and mixer um DIY options available, looks about eight HP, ten HP at the most. Maybe it's ten HP. Either way, I just wanted to give a little shout out to Abe at AI and Greg and Zara over at Recovery Effects. Um, this intro is going a little long, but I'm uh, having fun sharing all this great gear and um, and stories or whatever it is that I'm sharing with you. So um, I am just going to actually share a little bit about this uh, ensemble oscillator with you from 4MS before we get into this chat. So obviously what you hear right now is coming from the Ensemble Oscillator. And before I get into this particular patch too much, I want to just say uh, that I, I'm, I'm so 
I'm so happy with the response from my little short film that I made about the Ensemble Oscillator. Thank you so much if you watched it and enjoyed it. Um, and if you haven't, I would really like you to check it out. I didn't make a demo so much as I made a short film and then I scored it with the Ensemble Oscillator. Um, and I got word back from Dan Green and Matthias Pusch who collaborated on it. They both really liked it. In fact, Matthias even shared it on his Facebook page and I, uh, he really enjoyed it and I got to see um, a bunch of people who know him comment on it. And it, it just made me, honestly, made me feel good. Um, I was very happy with how it turned out and I'm happy that people liked it. So please check it out. Um, last week, we got to know this thing a little bit. Actually, like as far as getting to know it, it was very cursory, but that was on purpose because I wanted to demonstrate that what I discovered pulling it out of the box and racking it up immediately without looking at the manual is if you just plug the stereo ats into a couple reverb and delays and then manually turn the various knobs, you can make beautiful ambient music. <laughs> um, and in fact, I, I see myself doing that in the future um, with live sets or even future scoring opportunities. It's just, it can go from soft, nice ambient sounds to just harsh glitch. So it's, it's really kind of for everybody in that regard. Um, what's really cool is it's, it's, so it's 16 oscillators in one and you can spread those out and they're all sine wave oscillators but there are two wave folders on it and the more you spread them and fold those waves the harsher that's how you can get into some really harsh sounds so that's really fun um so you can change the scale you can program your own scales um and it's just it's incredibly deep but what i'm doing right now is i decided just because I had some, I had I had some assumptions basically off of our first exploration. I thought, hey, if this thing sounds this good, just turning knobs around like this, I bet I could find interesting CV sources that aren't quantized scales, like not CV for like melodic stuff, but like LFOs and and envelopes and slopes. Um, I bet I was like, I bet I can I can find all those and actually change this thing around in a musical way, which I feel like is kind of hard to do with a lot of oscillators, but this thing makes it incredibly easy, as you can hear right now. I really, really love what I made, and it, it didn't take that long, and that's, that's, that's one thing that I really like about this, is you can get cool stuff rather quickly, and it also is mysterious enough right now without diving into the manual that I know that I have a lot more to learn. Um, so yeah. Right now, I'm just I'm spreading the oscillators. I'm using the two different wave folding inputs. I'm changing the scale with CV, and I'm also changing the root note with CV. So that's why this thing's kind of morphing all over the place. Um, I want to give a huge shout out to ForMS for the amazing manual that it comes with, a physical manual, 20 page, full color. Um, I feel like manuals are kind of lacking in Eurorack, at least in the... Uh, in the physical form, but even sometimes it's hard to find like a, a good manual online because I realize a lot of these companies are small and it's a lot of work, but this one is amazing. And what I love about it and what I would like to go over maybe in the next few episodes is there are a couple tutorials to help walk you through some of the uh, the more complex functions like teaching it scales. It has, a, it has a learn button and you can program your own scales into it. Um, so yeah, really, really deep. Lots more to learn about this, but... 
I think we've covered enough for today. I just wanted to play this cool patch for you and talk about it a little bit. And please go check out my video um, on YouTube. And speaking of videos, we have video episodes. Uh, Make Noise, Tony Orlando. That was the first, the first one I recorded video for. It's basic, just Zoom screen, but it's it's up there if you want to check that out. And hopefully from now on, I'll be doing that. Um, I think that's about it. Let's go chat with Shanda Nunes, a.k.a. Trollbarcy. I don't know why I did that intro like that. Sometimes when you're recording, you just go for things and then you're like, that didn't work and you stop and you record it again. And I would have done that, but because I've been doing this for two years and I've done what I just did so many times and you didn't know about it, I thought I would just let you, let you peek behind the curtain a little bit. Anyways, let's talk to Shanda. the road with uh, Shonda Nunez, a.k.a. Travarsi. Yes, Nunez. <laughs> Nunez, okay, yeah. Nunez. And um, Travarsi, I looked, it means, it means be, to be, is that what it is? Mm-hmm. To be or to find oneself. Okay, sweet, I like that. Um, well, we have a lot to talk about. You, uh, you are, what, one-third of socal synth society is that right we don't have to get into it right now just a quick overview but is that right you're just, it's you and a couple people roughly yes yeah there's like okay. a handful of us okay yeah. and you uh you do stuff with perfect circuit and mm-hmm. you have some albums out um but first i want to get to know you where did you grow up uh i grew up in madison wisconsin that's madison, where i was born and okay. raised yep yep <laughs> Midwest, I'm a Midwestern girl. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, let's see. I was born in the 70s, so it was pretty interesting out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, um, I lived... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead. Yeah, I, was I was just going to say, I, I lived in Kalamazoo, Michigan. I know that's not Wisconsin, but I, I got a taste of the Midwest, and it is, it's different than the West Coast, for sure. Uh-huh. It's, it's lovely in its own way. I've heard good things about Madison. It's fun. Uh, when I lived there, I worked for this record store right on uh, the UW campus. So I mm-hmm. had a lot of fun, um, here, like going to see different bands and getting, you know, free tickets. And because it was a college town and during, you know, by the time I worked at this record shop, it was like approaching the 90s. So mm-hmm. a lot of good, like live bands and little venues. So. Like I saw Green Dave with their when they used to travel with their dad oh, <laughs> at a, nice. like a little theater, <laughs> you know. What was, like, is that was it like Kerplunk or what was that? What was that album that was like the pre like signed? Oh, it, oh I think they I had think like two underground albums and then it was like Dookie. Yeah, is what made yeah. them like kind of become like more known mainstream, uh-huh. not mainstream in a bad way, but you know what I mean. That kind of yeah, yeah. took them to the next level, and that's when I saw them live <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome yeah it seems like the um i want to see if it's like was like this for you but it seemed like when i was out in the midwest like bands look like they would travel across like multiple states to play uh, a show somewhere like i was in a band with a guy in in kalamazoo and he was in another band and he was like oh we're gonna hop over to minneapolis to play a show on like a Wednesday night and I'm like hop over to Minneapolis like <laughs> that's like driving to Northern California from Seattle it's like we we just don't it seems like it's it's a very different culture out there as far as playing live music 
yeah, there was a lot of like going to Minneapolis or going to Chicago or going to Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how much of that is because there's just not a bunch of big mountains blocking the way and inclement weather. I don't know. Um, anyways, I've derailed us so much. Okay, so growing up in, in Madison um, and working for record stores, so music has been a part of your life for a long time, I imagine then. Yes, yes. Since I'm I was always a kid. curious. Yeah. yeah. I'm always curious. What is it that grabbed you first? Like, what's your first memory of knowing that music was important to you? Oh, um, well, I guess I've, my mom was always really into listening to music. So mm-hmm. as, as long as I can remember, I always remember, like, my memories are listening to, like, disco or, you know, like, um, mm-hmm like Fleetwood Mac and Al Stewart and all that sort of stuff and like singing and even like knowing the words like really mm-hmm. little my mom would just be always pretty happy listening to music as long as I can remember so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah that's it's funny there's like the there's the stuff that you you listen to from your child your childhood because it's like that's what your parents listen to so you were like like subjected to that but then you like some of it like Roy Orbison will always be like something that's like attached to my DNA um but like what was it that you first kind of broke out from your mom's record collection and and was like that's my that's my jam right there Ooh, um <laughs> I really like <laughs> it's, it's such a funny thing um I guess like I really like Duran Duran, and then I was really yeah. obsessed with love ballads. So Chicago was like one of my favorite <sighs> bands. Like, oh my, I think like I still the eighty Chicago se- stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. I actually love that stuff. Like the, um, the I'm not gonna sing it, but yeah, the, there's there's like the two big songs. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, maybe <laughs> maybe I'll slice them splice them into the episode. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so you get you get hooked on to love ballads and everything. Is that what makes you want to like pursue being a musician, or how early did did that did that happen? Were you a fan for a long time? I've, that's one thing I've noticed that's been kind of strange with talking to a lot of people on the show. I've been um, really surprised to see how many people um, kind of start later in life. So so were you were you a musician younger, or did you start later? Uh, the first instrument I learned was the violin, and I picked that okay. up in elementary school. Oh, and I stayed with that nice. for a, just a little while, not too long. Uh, I got into playing the piano, and then from there, I just kind of stopped playing the violin and continued on with the piano and stuff. If you picked up a violin right now, could you do a little something on it, though? I don't think so because my wife <laughs> bought me a violin because I was like, I need to get back to this, you know? Uh-huh. And like, I held it. And I was like, did I play this right handed? Because I'm left handed, you know? Uh-huh. Like, when you're a kid, they just shove an instrument in your hand and you just <laughs> play, you know, like learn it the way they hand it to you. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I, I, I play guitar and I started when I was 12 and I had. This, uh, I think hubris took over when I was like 20 and I thought I could learn. I started listening to classical music and I was like, well, I'm going to learn how to play violin. I'll, I'll just teach myself. And um, it's not the guitar. It's one of the, probably the hardest thing I've ever tried to make noise on. That and a flute. Like I just, I, I, my, bo- my brain cannot wrap, wrap itself around that. To g- even to make like a pleasant noise. Just so hard. Oh yeah, hard. the boat. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. it's the worst sound. Um, yeah. And then I, I got a cello cause I thought that'd be easier for some reason cause it was bigger, but no, the, the bowed stringed instruments are very hard. Um, so you get into piano. Now, did you, did you fall in love with piano? Did it become your instrument or was it kind of like the, your little kid and you're being forced to take lessons type? I feel like there's, there's like two lanes you can go with piano. I fell in love with it right away. Okay, cool. Yeah. I played right before I even officially started taking lessons. Like okay. I played a lot by ear and then I, then I started taking lessons. Okay. Mm-hmm. And do you still, do you still play piano? Mm-hmm. Yes. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not as I, much I've as got I used one. to, but yeah, I have a yeah. piano too. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a, a close friend who is just like insane. It's just so cr- Like it's, I feel like it's like the instrument that you should learn how to play if you're just starting because it's like, it's pretty easy to hit the ground running, but it's also just like the, the, like the, how technical it can get too is just like, I don't, I've been listening to a lot of piano stuff lately and it's still like, I don't know, it's, it's blowing my mind. It's, it's, which seems funny to say because it's like, duh, it's a piano, but like, I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah. How crazy, like how talented people are. I got, mm-hmm. I got my piano, um, from my aunt and she used to play that. She used to play piano for silent films. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So I, I mean, I even have some of her old sheet music and it's crazy like i i even when i was at the peak of my piano playing like playing every day and practicing every day i could not play some of the stuff that she was playing (laughs) yeah 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 well it's weird it's like uh, my friend who's really good like i watch him play and then he shows me the videos of the people that he's really into and it's just like he he told me once he's just basically like all this all this person does is play piano like literally like they wake up and they play piano all day because like to get that good mm-hmm. you can't have any like it's not just an interest it's not like just a side hobby or something it's like yeah um so when did piano become synthesizers and how did how did that transition happen um i think like as i when i got older and i i moved you know i went away to school to the east coast for a little while and then so i obviously i couldn't take my piano and then um, I kind of stopped playing music for a little while. You're just kind of trying to, you know, figure myself out and mm-hmm. kind of do all that, like early 20s kind of thing. And then um, I got in Elise's. Well, I had a Korg, uh, micro Korg, and mm-hmm. then in Elise's, an 80, a full 88 key. I want to say it was oh, like cool. a QS. I forget which one, but it, had, it was 88 keys, fully weighted, horrible to carry around and roll around. <laughs> yeah. I, got, I got this bright idea to get one of those cases, you know, those long ones that have the wheels. Uh-huh. And, like, I hated myself every time I tried to take that thing anywhere. <laughs> but but yeah. having a weighted key synth, like a full 88 key weighted, weighted key synth, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So wait, what were you studying in, in college? Uh, just general studies. And then I got into photography. Um, okay. Yeah, this is like before digital and all that sort of stuff. So um, okay. I did that for a while and then realized that my I wasn't as passionate about that as I was about music. Because okay. back then you had to develop all your own film and 
do all that process. And I enjoyed it, but not enough to starve for it. (laughs) 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 You know? (laughs) (laughs) So um, when you had, you had the microcorg at the 88, uh, 88 key Alesis, are you performing? Are you, are you recording or is it just kind of like for fun at this point? Um, I did do some writing and uh, a little bit of recording, and then I did some singing, too. I used to sing for this guy who he used to write and make demos, and then I sang in bands. So I kind of, I guess, noodled around. Before I got into production, that's pretty much. Yeah, I played a little keys here and there, and then I did a lot of vocals. Is this all still East Coast stuff? Uh, The vocal stuff, uh, yeah, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And like, were you in like bands and like, you know, hanging flyers and handing out flyers and doing gigs and, 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 and making that kind of run at it? Uh, a little bit. And then when I lived, actually, I sang for an all female Hendrix band here oh, cool. in Los Angeles. And there oh, we were just awesome. booked. Like, we had a, we were booked for, because we were Hendrix like covered. Well, all we sang were Hendrix. Well, we did our uh-huh. Hendrix song. So, yeah, we played like in Vegas a few times, and then we played around in LA and stuff like that. But <laughs> it that was fun. Like, yeah, it sounds like so much fun. Like, yeah. but like I, I feel like if I could play guitar in like a Ween color cover band or something, like I mean, I don't think I'm good enough to do that. But it would be like I think playing like playing guitar in a cover band of a band like a band that I loved would be actually a lot of fun. I've I've heard people through, like kind of like peer down at it i'm like no way that would be so much fun <laughs> yeah i had a lot of fun i'm not gonna lie <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so what brought you out to la um just like work really like just non-music stuff really okay um yeah uh i'm a trial paralegal well not so much anymore i'm in my second career now but prior to that i was a paralegal and then i did trial okay. paralegal stuff and you know, some more business stuff that mm-hmm. kind of made me like. I moved when I was young. I did a lot of geographics. Like I was, uh, I went to New York, to DC, San Francisco, back to the East Coast. Did okay some managerial like management, like and high end retail stuff, and then I got into being a paralegal. And when I lived, when I moved back out here. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then, so where does music production fall into all of this then? Um, I think it was like more so when I started after I was singing with this band and I was still playing, but I wasn't producing. Like I was writing, you know, like that whole, I'm sure like people when they play guitars, it's like that singer songwriter type of stuff. So I would just do that. And then when I was singing for this band, I was like, why am I doing this? Like, it was fulfilling to the point where, like, it was fun, but it Mm -hmm. didn't fulfill that, like, everything that I wanted to do. And I was into house music still. I mean, you know, I sang, like, a blues and jazz on the East Coast, and I had that, like, I was always into house music. I was always into dance music. I got into, like, electronic music, like, right away, like, in the early 90s, you know, like, raving and all that sort of stuff then and... So I guess running parallel these li- like almost like these parallel lives, you know what I mean? Like that mm-hmm. whole struggle <laughs> that you have as an artist, like you have to work and get a real job but to pay for your bills, but really your passions lie over here. Yeah. And so then when I was singing, I was like, I should really 
focus on learning how to produce my own music because that just seems to be where if I were going to do something, that's where it's going to happen. It's not going to happen singing cover bands. It was fun, you know, but yeah, you know, just yeah. So yeah. Yeah, like I was saying, like I, I, I think I would have a, a great time, but it couldn't be my only musical outlet. I would still want to like write and you know, and have my. That wouldn't be my expression. That would be my fun. So it sounded like you were mm-hmm. scratching the fun itch of music, but you didn't have like the actual self-expression, like because right. you know you can only express yourself so much. Sing in Purple Haze, right? Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, like uh, you know, how like did you did you like try to take classes or did you like buy garage band and dive in that way? How did you, how did you start learning how to produce stuff? Well, prior to, um, me buying, like I had a iMac and getting into logic. I, when I lived in DC, I used to hang out a little bit with, um, Rob from thievery and he showed like him and Eric, they were using logic. And, like, mm-hmm. even though we'd all kind of hang out, it wasn't like I would be in his studio to do that sort of stuff. Like, we were all just friends, and so it was just, like, a thing. Like, we'd go to their shows, or I'd see him sometimes, like, have pro- working on these projects. But it's interesting, because I never really... I don't know if it's just where I was in my life, but I never really pursued or started a conversation with him about music. Which, thinking mm-hmm. back about it, I think it's a little weird, but whatever. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> I guess I wasn't really ready. And, um, but by the time, like fast forward to when I was living here, I was like, I remember like how that, how that program looked and how, what he was doing with it at Mm -hmm. that time. And, you know, fast forward, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. Like just fast forward a few years or whatever. And I'm like, okay. Like, and then, so I bought logic and stuff and then started self teaching and, you know, then there was more, um, there's like a little internet, I guess. I don't know. It's like, you know, it's not like how yeah. YouTube is today. You know, you click uh-huh. on something on accident and you stumble across like 50 ways on how right. to do something. But, uh, yeah, so it was a lot of like self-teaching and like really like reading and going to like workshops or whatever I could find and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's funny, like the pre like YouTube being the main source of information. I, I kind of have this similar story with, I started with, um, sonar cakewalk or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's, it's kind of similar to logic. Um, and then that my, my friend I was in a band with ended up using logic and, and then I graduated to there and luckily I was his, he was my roommate and that's, he was my YouTube for a while. And then, yeah, just kind of self-taught from there, but I love logic. I'm, I'm, I t- every, every time somebody brings it up on the, the show, I'm like, oh, I miss Logic. I, I have <laughs> Cubase now, and um, yeah, I, w- I won't start that, but start that uh, that rant again. But um, <laughs> I'm an so Ableton are, user now. I later, oh, yeah, okay. later, many years later, I went back to school and to for music production. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, yeah. cool. So, okay, so you're teaching yourself logic. Like, how, how, do, you, how do you get to that, that point of, um, you know, making the, the, the leap into actually taking courses on it? Well, I guess at that time I was, like, producing a lot of house music because I was still, like, really into playing the piano. So chords and stuff came pretty easy. And mm-hmm. then um, I think, again, like, it's just, like, work 
kind of got in the way, like uh, being a paralegal kind of took me out of being involved in music and my schedule got pretty hectic for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then, so I produced on the side and just made music and worked on it. Um, and then like probably fast forward a few, like more years even. And then, um, I was, I think that's when I was just really in my mind. I was like, I need to, I need to do something that I either need to do something with it or accept like, you know, this is what I'm going to be doing, which is mm-hmm. fine. But it, if that were my, how I felt, you know, if that was cool, but I, there's still a part of me that's like, no, I still have like, I haven't really given it the full try that I really wanted to, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I like restructured my, where I worked and like, you know, like downsized the type of law firm I worked at and workload and things like that. And then, um, I went back to school and I searched. That's, yeah. That's so cool. And that's like, I want to talk a little bit about that because, um, I, I mean, totally different circumstances and, and different field that I was in and everything, but I kind of, uh, kind of did the same thing. I was kind of at this, this point where it was like a do or die, you know, like I have, like I have to make something else work because I was not happy where I was. Uh And, uh, you know, I was in the construction industry and, uh, that's just not my scene. And it was really, it was just, it, it was, it was really hard to be there all day knowing like what I could be doing if I was, you know, mm-hmm. if I didn't have this job. So like, and I also, I also felt very trapped. Um, I didn't think it was a possibility to, to get out, um, and, and actually to get where I'm at right now. And, um, mm-hmm. I'm just curious, like, was it, was that a scary thing for you? Were you, would you have similar feelings? I just want to hear that, that story. Cause I know a lot of people out there, um, maybe not right now because of the COVID thing, but I know a lot of people do feel trapped in the, in the job that they're in and, and feel like they don't have options, but um, they, they do, obviously. Like, you got out, I got out. So I'd like to yeah, hear that I story. Yeah, I mean, because for a while it was, it was, I really enjoyed being a paralegal, so I really mm-hmm. kind of ran with it. So there was a period where I was like, you know, I worked for a really good law firm and I did a lot of trials and was able to travel with that. And so... I was cool with that, like learning that and just, you know, uh, that fulfilled me until it sort of like I, I got what I, I, I don't know. I learned what I needed to learn kind of thing. Like that sort of the fun of that, the intrigue of learning and seeing if I can work at this high capacity was past. And so now it was Mm -hmm. like the, the pink cloud, I guess, came, the rose colored <laughs> glasses came off of like, oh, so this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. <laughs> and then I was like, uh, this is not like, then that's where it sort of settled. And I was like, you know, I've really thought about music and I really didn't give myself that opportunity. Like I could have, you know, and, mm-hmm. and then I was like, well, I'm not getting any younger and, um, if I'm going to do it and it was scary because that meant, you know, changing jobs that meant taking a pay cut that meant downsizing, um, that meant, you know, not driving a new car and like, you know, all those things of like, 
you know, because I didn't want to be in debt forever either, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but um, I used to meet with these, like, a small group of people, and this is what really helped make make that transition was um, everybody had a goal, but it was a different goal. And, mm-hmm. and we met once a week, and we would each have, like, a few minutes to talk about the goal that they're the big goal. And then you would sort of get an assignment from the group of what step you would do to take to work towards your goal. And through that group, I was able to, you know, restructure my life, find a school and um, go back to school and finish and then start a podcast and do like, and that's where, where the momentum and that, that, that really so helped cool. a lot. Yeah. Cause it was that scary, so cool. you know, like I was, I mean, I already said I was born in the seventies. So, I mean, I was like pushing 40, you know, like I'm 46 now. So, you know, that's a lot to like change and restructure yeah. your life. Like, but then it was like, I also had that feeling of it's now or never, you know, like, yeah, 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 definitely. And and can you talk about that group? Was that like just a group of friends, or was this like something that you found out? Like, I, I just kind of picture you like seeing it on a cork board somewhere or something. <laughs> no, and, like, no, it was a group of friends. Of the numbers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. No, I that's cool. Yeah. I think I think that's something that you you hear a lot, but it's it it might you might hear it so much that it sounds cliche, but it's so important that um, you really need to surround yourself with like-minded people. And if you have a big goal or, you know, if you're, if you're driven, you know, artist or something, you, you really do need to kind of find some people that are in this, in, in, of, of similar taxonomy, like mind wise as you, right. you know, um, well, that's so cool that you, that's, if, if somebody is out there listening and they're, and they're listening to us talk and they're like, man, that sounds really good. I want to do that. Like, what would you what would your real world advice be to them? Uh, my real world advice would be like I guess if the, like if meaning like if they really want to make the change already like how would they do mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Uh like first thing is like look at like what you really what you have like meaning like you have all your stuff like your bills and your life and like think about what you want like and think about what you need. And really, like, what for me, I really had to think, like, do you want immediate satisfaction or what is it that you're putting money into to satisfy yourself immediately instead of the bigger picture? And Mm -hmm. so I guess my advice would be, like, try to look at that, like, make that list and see, like, how you could take guide yourself to take a look at the bigger picture and set that goal because I do feel like, you know, and even myself, sometimes we get caught up in immediate satisfaction, you know, and Mm -hmm. instead of keeping the eye on the bigger goal. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I would probably, the first thing would be to say is take a look at that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like you were saying earlier, um, you know, like I don't need a new, a, a newer car and like, like accepting like, um, making less money and because it's weird I think something my wife and I noticed like as we we would make like we'd each get a raise at our job you know so like maybe th- three years down the road you know like 
let's say just hypothetically mm-hmm. three years ago, we were saying like, oh, we can't wait until we're making X amount of money. And then three years would go by and we would be making X amount of money, but we wouldn't feel like we were in that much different of a situation because you just incre- incrementally kind of adjust how much you're spending to how much you're making. Right. You know? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and true. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think when, when I had to, when I wanted to do my big switch, you know, my, my wife was a huge, huge uh, supportive role in that. And, you know, we both were switching careers around the same time. And um, I think it just, the big thing was, is like accepting like, Oh, I'm just not going to make as much money, but I'm going to be so much happier, if, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, I, yeah, definitely like figuring out what's important. I like that a lot. Um, okay. So you do that, you figure this out and you, you, you make it work to go to school and you're kind of doing like a, just a less workload, kind of almost like a part-time thing while going to school. So you're kind of like, but school's probably full-time, right? Yes. And I worked full-time, but it was just. I guess compared to what I was working before, like being able to leave on time was like essential. And actually yeah. the place that I worked at, they were very um they were very flexible in that sense. Like they liked the work that I the product, the work that I would give them. So if I would work a little longer another on other days, they would accommodate me like leaving a little bit earlier on the days okay. that I had to go to class or something like that. But okay. yes, I always had to produce though at that job. Like that was important, but okay. not produce as a music producer, but you know, produce right. my, do mm-hmm. good work and stuff like that. But did you go to like musicians Institute or something? Where, where did you go for the classes? Uh, I ended up going to actually to beat lab Academy I searched okay. around at at that time there was like dub dub lab and like there was a bunch of them then and I ended up going there and it was good I it, I felt like at home and the schedule was good cuz they were like night I was able to go to class at night which was important Yeah that's really useful mm-hmm. so you had long days Yes <laughs> <laughs> But it was worth it <laughs> Yeah Okay, so so when did you finish that that course, the coursework? Um, let me think. What year was that? Sorry, like all the years. I feel like living here, like all the time just blends together. It's like yeah, it's either sunny or not so sunny. <laughs> you know, it's not like the East Coast or the Midwest where you have like winter. You know, like okay, yeah, you know, yeah. another Defined year has passed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess I. Finished in 2014. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Somewhere right okay. around it. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. I want to say, I think it was 2014. Yeah. So, so what happens then? So you finish, you, you make the big leap, you make the changes, and then you finish school. Like, did, were you, were you setting up uh, work like, throughout like before you finished school or like what did what did that I guess what's the trajectory to get to where you're at now from there um at that point I was just trying to really get my production like up to like a professional level so even mm-hmm. though I did classes I still worked on like producing I started a podcast uh called the Vibe Lounge LA um and I wasn't really sure, honestly, what exactly 
I wanted to do. I mean, I wanted mm-hmm. to produce music. So yes, I did work on music. I started like releasing, but at that point, I just was happy that I was able to start making a shift. But to be honest, I wasn't really sure what my goal was at that time. You know, mm-hmm. like. It's Something weird how sometimes music, like, or yeah, know? right, right. That's, yeah, yeah. If you asked me five years ago what I was working towards, I wouldn't be able to tell you it was this, but it was something. It was some kernel that would, you know, that was going to become this. Um, so, can you talk about your podcast a little bit since we're on a podcast? Uh, well, actually, well, I don't have that. That podcast. It was just actually a DJ or a live performance podcast. Okay. And I did it like short, it started off with short interviews and then someone would perform or play and it evolved now into, uh, I have a channel, uh, radio slot on Fanoob Techno, which is a global techno radio. And so oh, cool. I evolved that into that channel now. So, oh, cool. Yeah. So it's just Very mainly cool. now, now at this point, it's just not really interviews. It's just straight like perform, like DJ mix or if somebody plays live, like a live set. Oh, very cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. So do they just, uh, you just like book guests and then have them kind of re- uh, remotely perform or do they come into a studio or? They send in their mix and then we, it's like an exclusive, like exclusive okay. performance or mix and then. Awesome. Yeah. So you've been doing that since, is that, was that 2014 you started doing that? Is that what you said? Um, yeah, maybe I started that in 2015, like the beginning of 2015, right around okay. in there. Cool. Yeah, I believe cool. so. <laughs> right around so in like that before, time. <laughs> before podcasts really blew up into like something that everybody knew about. Right. Um, yeah. I just, I just found the little button on my chair. On your chair. <laughs> that really is like, did you watch me just, did you see me sink? Yeah, uh, I've done that surprised before me. too. <laughs> <laughs> so where, so where, does, uh, where does Modular come in then? Uh, modular comes much later. I mean, through these, these, between, I guess, 2014 up until now, my other goal or in my mind was that I wanted to play live you know I I supported a lot of DJs and especially with the show but my eye was always like I wanted to be play live in some sense Mm -hmm. so I really focused on that Um, I worked with uh, a Ableton certified trainer that was like my music partner and we played as a live duo and used hardware with Ableton and Kind of fast forwarding through there, I would go to Nam and check out like Modular, and that's where I met Chris and Steven from Noise Engineering. Oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I just I like the sound design aspect of it. It was really mm-hmm. what gravitated me to it, and then it was yeah, like kind of hearing it at Nam and like going to the different booths and then hearing um belief defect perform um it's mo and louis louis um um i think it was like at a show for nam like somewhere in downtown la and i was there with um and joe caputo and i would talk to him about modular modular stuff a lot Mm -hmm. and um and i was like that night though i was like i definitely (laughs) Like I was already like 
in my mind, like on that slope, you know, like down the rabbit yeah. hole. Uh-huh. But like it was that <laughs> night, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I definitely have to take the plunge, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see like how like I I could see being like into producing like production and knowing how to like produce tracks. I could see um, modular maybe having like a, a serious appeal to that part of it certainly mm-hmm. had a part an appeal to that part of my brain. Um, do you think that had anything to do with it? Like maybe like your, your training as a producer? Yes. I mean, cause I, I, what, what I really liked was the ability to create the sounds that it took me like racks on racks in Ableton to build <laughs> and a ton yeah. of automation, you know, I'd be like mm-hmm. sitting for hours automating one little thing and building racks and doing different things and I, I was already playing live, so it was just the idea of being able to touch, like have the tactile feel of the instrument, and then being able to immediately create all these interesting sounds that would have taken me a lot of clicks and a lot of racks to build an yeah. Ableton to make, you know? <laughs> so that's, mm. yeah, that's what it was. Like, and... um I was very much into like percussion and percussive sounds like that dark and industrious sounds. So mm-hmm. that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So well, noise, yeah, noise engineering stuff that makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. um, well, and I'm on, like, how much did just being down and part of that community that you're in, like that had to have a huge part of it too. There's just so many, so many awesome people down there and like manufacturer builders and stores mm-hmm. and, and module on the spot and like all that. Yeah. I didn't actually go to like modular on the spot or any of the events until after I got into modular meaning like after I made my purchases and stuff like that yeah it was sort of like I wanted to get into it but it was a little intimidating you know like and I hear a lot of people say that like where do you start there's so many different modules and so many ways to plug it in like is it gonna explode or you know what I mean like I knew Uh it wasn't gonna explode but you know what I mean like am I gonna fry it out like Mm -hmm. you know is the voltage like gonna have any issues with voltage like do you need to know what do you need to know, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, but I think it was my experience between meeting, um, Steven and him giving me a walkthrough at their booth and being mm-hmm. really nice about it, I guess. I think that was like a nice entry. Mm-hmm. It's always pleas- nice when you start something like on the right foot, you know, like your journey. Yeah. And you're are you like it, but you even get to start off like with something really pleasant. And then I yeah. went to the show, and then I was like, okay, I'm ready to to just do it. And then my wife and I, for my birthday, she took me to Perfect Circuit, and I bought some modules there. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How, did you already uh, know about Perfect Circuit through other gear, or did you get into? Yeah, I knew about okay. it through other gear. I'd shopped there before and stuff. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess, well, since we brought up Perfect Circuit, how did you, you do demo videos for Perfect Circuit, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, do you work in the shop as well, or do you just kind of just do the demo stuff? Uh, just the 
content creation and just the videos. I'm the video, the YouTube personality and content creator. So I just focus That's on. That's so cool. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I bet. <laughs> yeah. Um, how did you get hooked up with that, and when did that start? Um, that was pretty recent. Um, they were they made like an advertisement about it, and I had already been. In my in my mind, I was already wanting to do something either because I'd already started SoCal Synth Society and I was already giving a lot of workshops on hardware and integrating hardware with um, with Ableton and things like that. So I wanted to kind of get out and do something else. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, well, let me like submit my resume and things that I've been doing in the music industry over the past few years which are the workshops and things like that Mm -hmm. and uh they liked it and they just felt like it was a good fit so um i started working there officially in the very beginning of march so it's pretty new it's very it's pretty new Mm -hmm. very cool that's so yeah that's uh that's uh that's kind of it's kind of a dream gig for me. I'm kind of, I'm kind of like hoping that to one day angle something similar. Um, that's cool. Um, so let's talk about SoCal Synth Society. Cause to be honest, that's, that's what, um, that's what really put you on my radar, I think. Um, oh, and uh-huh. I just, and then I'm, and through this COVID-19 thing, I, uh, I watched you were hosting, like kind of a synth society meetup, like mm-hmm. on Zoom. It was you know people from Seattle and Colorado and um, or was Colorado there? There was a yes. bunch of people there. Um, <laughs> I know there was a lot I, of people involved. <laughs> it was just so cool to see, like how many how many little satellite communities there are meet up as kind of like the represent the representation of our greater community as a whole and then all kind of talk to each other i was just sitting there kind of smiling ear to ear watching that on my phone and i just um and really appreciate the content during this weird time um so yeah i was like i definitely i definitely want to hear that story so how does that start where does where does the socal synth society come from well, it started, it was pretty organic. Um, as my, as I got into modular and then my wife, she was getting into modular as well, working on her own projects and things. And we were wanting to like do, I would look actually in LA and see, is there any meetups or are there any like beginner things or intro th- meetup, workshop, something, anything. Mm-hmm. And I heard about modular on the spot, but that is not, it's just performance. You know, I was mm-hmm. looking for something more to like, to have a place to like learn something, <laughs> you know, like learn mm-hmm. how to patch yeah. aside from watching YouTube videos, you know? Yeah. And I was like, I couldn't believe that there really wasn't, or at least that, that I could, I could not find a single one, which I was pretty shocked about it actually. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I was like, why? So I was like, well, let's get together with some friends that I know or I've met friends of friends that are into hardware and modular. And and that's how it started. Like we I would go to this um my friend would throw this party in in a Pomona area and they had performers and they would just hang out. But a lot of people there were also into modular. And then I met Abe um and he was like, Yeah, like we should hang out and 
solder or do something else, <laughs> not just, you know what I mean? Like, let's like, uh-huh. like just do that. And so um, it was my wife and I, and then Abe and Vanessa, there are a couple, and we were like, let's get together and just get get together and hang out, you know, and how I, how actually I had to get a cable from him and I found out that he lived like super close to me. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah, we should definitely actually make it happen. And then we did, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about it and we're like, okay, let's meet up. And we did, we invited a couple people and, um, that's where I later, that's where I met Justin, which he's like our soldering guru. Like if you mess something up, he's there to help you fix it. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and then we like started like getting together and soldering together, like for hours and then maybe jamming a little bit if somebody actually finished what they were making. And then we were like, you know what? We should invite more people. Like, we should make it a thing, you know? And uh-huh. then that's where we were like, okay, we should maybe make up a name. So we probably did that for like a like six months or something like that. It didn't like happen mm-hmm. like the next month we had a name. And it's like, we did it a few times and we're like, duh, like, why aren't we inviting other people? I'm sure there are others that it would be interested Mm-hmm. And so then we did. We thought of a name, um, came up with like a logo, and then we just started inviting people. And slowly it just it started to grow. And yeah, like uh, we did like this huge party for Nam just this past year, and mm-hmm. like it was pretty cool because we just like. Is very grassroots, you know, like we all had our little jobs figure out like how to make it work at this little mm-hmm. bar in Fullerton. But that place was rammed, packed. You know, we had like <laughs> Alex Nasty Nachos. We had Cuckoo. We had B-Boy Tech. We had like Ali the Architect. We had all these different genres oh, of wow. music. And then That's like, a lineup right there. And we had like this place was full. We like I, like I contacted companies to see if they would want to like raffle off stuff. Cause we weren't charging anything mm-hmm. at the door, you know, like, or mm-hmm. like it wasn't about that, you know? And so mm-hmm. like companies are really receptive to give back to the modular community. And it like, we're definitely want to do it again the next time we can actually, you know, hopefully by yeah. NAM of next year, we'll be able to do it again because I still had people like after that, like coming up being like, that was the best party that they, the best NAM party. And it was just about everybody, you know, like using their modular hardware, hanging out and like, but yeah. So that's ultimately what the goal was, was to make SoCal Sun Society a fun thing, you know, to jam yeah. and to ask questions and learn and not feel afraid if you don't know how to do something. Cause somebody next to you will be able to show you how to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so cool. Like that's, it's like these, it seems to be a common thread with these, with, synth societies around um especially in the united states that i've noticed uh, you know, modular seattle and uh-huh. colorado and new york um it seems to be like this multifaceted thing with like it's not just shows it's not just education it's not just diy it's kind of like all of this stuff and it's and it seems like all of these things that started um all of you all of you guys who started this stuff did it because it just, you wanted it and it wasn't there. You were looking for it and it wasn't there. And you were like, well, right. I, I guess I just have to do this. And that's what I keep saying to people out there. I've had, it's been a while since somebody hit me up and especially with what's going on right now, I haven't been hit up about it. But um, before like the pandemic stuff, I would get hit up. Hey, I'm in this part of the country and there's, I know there's probably synth people around, but like, 
you know, how do I find synth? You know, just like do it. Like start one. Like right. say I'm starting the Arkansas Modular Synth Society or something. You know, <laughs> totally. like somebody will show up. <laughs> um, that's so cool. So when did you when did you start it then? I know, um, I know there's no seasons in LA. I, I keep know, asking like, what, these when like, questions. Uh, <laughs> maybe it was like somewhere in 2018. Maybe toward the end okay. of it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. May- yeah, yeah, something like that. Okay, so you guys were, you know, you, you've solidified into a thing enough to where this, this pandemic hasn't, um, you know, like... It's winged everybody, but uh, I was I was I was hoping you weren't going to say right before the pandemic started. So no. Uh, <laughs> um, so I'm I'm just curious. I'd like to, I'd like to talk about like the ch- the challenges of what you guys pulled off with that the online um, meetup. It was like an online. It was like an all weekend festival, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like on online, um, all remote. Uh, that must have been. Um, like a Herculean effort. Um, and do you plan on doing more stuff like that? And what do you think the future, like, do you think that this, this whole situation has maybe, uh, created this whole new area? Like even when we can meet up with, will this be something that you, you see yourself doing in the future, um, to get more people around the world join, joined in? That didn't make much sense. Did you understand what I was saying? Yes, I, I understood like I really everything it. you said. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so... I host with um, Perfect Circuit one of the live streams that I do Thursday nights are a chat, Perfect Circuit chat, and I co-host that with B-Boy Tech Report, B-Boy Tech, who has a show called B-Boy Tech Report. Corey? Corey, yes, Corey. Mm -hmm. So Corey and I are friends also. And we talk almost every day. <laughs> and like, oh, cool. Yeah. And, Tell him I said hi. Yeah, I, okay. <laughs> I chatted with him a while ago. I like Corey a lot. Yeah, he's a really nice guy. And we were like, you know, we should do this. We should do something online. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. And Corey and I are very much people like if we say we're going to do it. We do it. And so we had this couple yeah. like, yeah, let's just do it. And they were like, you know, let's just not like put in a lot of time. Like, let's just not get caught up into the over planning. And we just looked at the calendar and uh, we were just like, you know what? Two weeks. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> two. I was like, two weeks. Can we do it in less than two weeks? And he's like, yeah, let's just do it. And so like. I contacted Abe and the other SoCal people and we're like, what are we going to do? And then we just kind of nailed down a schedule. Like, let's just do it two days, this hour to this hour. And sorry, it's my Is that dog. A cat? <laughs> oh, <don't... laughs> He's my little old dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chubby. Is your dog named Chubby? Yeah, come here. Chubby. That is so awesome. Sorry, <laughs> no, that's all right. This this is actually a relatively common thing. Um, the dogs of Podmod. Oh my God, Chihuahua. Yeah, her name is Chubby the Chihuahua, Freda, but she has not gone by that name in like I don't know how many years. She's like fourteen, and oh wow, I call her like Chorizo or Chubby now. <laughs> Yeah. That's adorable. Yeah. She doesn't know <laughs> her name is Frida at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Chubby, you're going to go. 
I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I'm, I'm feeling her pain. I've been fighting. I feel, I've been feeling a sneeze coming on this whole chat. I have a, I have bad seasonal allergies and I'm just like waiting for my, for the, the embarrassing on mic sneeze. It hasn't, it just keeps coming in and out though, you know? It's like the weather is <laughs> definitely changing. Yeah, no, she's just like older. So, you know, like an older dog. Old dog noises. Yeah, old dog noises, basically. <laughs> and of course, she has it's like Murphy's Law. She's got to do it right now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry about that. No, that's all right. Um, I think the last one I did had uh, some dogs in it. It's it's pretty common. It's it's cute. I think people like it. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> all right. I think she went to lay down. Um, but yeah, so we were just like, you know, let's make it happen. And not spend mm-hmm. too much time planning it. And we just made a list of who we thought we would want to be involved. And I, between the two of us, we had met a lot of people from various cities just by going to KnobCon and going to NAM mm-hmm. and just, you know, being into modular in general um, and on Instagram. And we just split the list and started hitting people up. And we're just like, hey, and we just made a chart like an Excel spreadsheet and we just started like, like we thought of topics and then we Mm -hmm. were like, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And we just started delegating and, and figuring out who wanted to do what. And then we asked um, special guests and things like that. And we just, it just made it happen. (laughs) And it was so cool. Yeah. And everyone came together and really stepped up and filled their hour of whatever their time slot that they were responsible for. And yeah, I think it really solidified um, the community of, like, not just SoCal, but just the synth community, how we can all come together. And so we definitely plan on doing it again, for sure. Right on. Regardless yeah, feel... of the pandemic. I think it'd be cool. Okay. Oh, cool. Cool, yeah. Because yeah. I, I feel like uh, this 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 kind of thing is going to be something that keeps happening. And I've noticed just on my, like my, my pocket of this world, um, you know, it Uh seems like people have, have, because we can't go out and hang out with our friends. Um, we have our internet, our internet communities and, and I don't, I feel like, I feel like with the like discord servers and the stuff that, that, uh, SoCal Sin Society is doing. And, uh, I just, I was on with Colorado modular Sin Society a few weeks ago. I think New York's going to do one. Uh, I know there's one in Austin, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's just, it feel like, I feel like this community has been growing and growing and I, and and I I feel like we're, we're all coalescing Mm -hmm. like through stuff like this, you know, it was so cool to, to pull up your, you know, the screen of all the different sin societies to getting together and be like, Oh, I've talked to them. I've talked to them. I've talked, you know, and like, Oh, I don't know them yet. You know, like, like, and then seeing like, I love, I don't know what it is, but I love seeing people that I, I know both of them, but they don't know each other and like watching them meet. You know, like oh right, I, right. I, I like, it's like I that. Like that. <laughs> six degrees of separation, like yeah, the yeah, intertwining yeah. of mm-hmm. synth relationships. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's very cool. Um, I mean, just like technical difficulties, like that. That just seems like that would have been like so many people involved, so much stuff going on. Was it like was it a technical nightmare to to pull that off? surprisingly no like so (laughs) yeah like Corey and i we just like on the schedule like we really locked down the schedule and then just like really stuck to it 
And then with mm-hmm. the help of like here at the house, like um, like Sean, um, he's one of our SoCal members. He like was like help like making sure the sound and everything. And then like Corey and I took like half. So I streamed half. He streamed half. And we tried to go like okay. every other hour because it was going from basically it went from 12 to 7 Saturday and Sunday. Oh, no. So Zoom we would crashed. just do like, <laughs> you know, he would do one hour. I do the next. And we set him up like that. Oh, whoops. Speaking of technical difficulties, <laughs> that is crazy that the, like it just totally crashed. <laughs> Did yours totally disappear? No, you froze for a second, and then I just kept. I just kept talking to answer the question, oh, okay. just in case. <laughs> I figured it was like Zoom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course. I ask about technical difficulties, and you're like, "There's none," and then all of a sudden, my Zoom crashes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you guys split it up, and it, you said it was you. You it was. Uh, I lost you at what time? Like the time frame you were doing it. You're, you're oh, going it was from every like other hour. About or twelve to seven. So yeah, we were doing twelve to seven um, Saturday and Sunday, and we basically just alternated. And we we each have this account like on the uh, streaming platform, so we were mm-hmm. able to just like send out links to everybody had like, you know, link to get in to join the broadcast and like we had a chart and just, yeah. But it was mostly like what helped us was keeping to a really strict schedule and just yeah. really sticking to that chart. But yeah, it was good. Cool. That is so cool. And I'm really looking forward to, uh, what y'all do in the future with this because uh it was it was really cool i was sitting there watching it and then you know like my wife was like what are you watching and i was like oh bradley and josh are on here and it was like from from mots and it was just like a million million faces on there it was really cool um well yeah yeah and have you on i want to see we'd like to have you like we'd like to have you on it was definitely one of those things where we're like oh what about the oh what like it could have easily turned into like another oh for sure we're like okay no no we gotta like cut it off here (laughs) and then just like the next one those people that we did not get on this last one let's get them on the next one we do yeah i loved that you had that theme of the societies because that like um that that was the main thing that I watched and it and I, I don't know it was it was something that I've always known to be you know it's 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 like a no brainer but it's it's like it really solidified in my head it's like oh you it's so important what you what you all are doing all all the different societies all over the place yeah. um to join to to make these places for us all to commune at um it's just like it, the pillars of the scenes, like the the stores and the societies, are like the the real pillar. It's so I don't know. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I get I get pretty romantic about it. Um, so yeah, I, I look forward to more of that coming out. Um, we're we're getting close to an hour. Yo, oh, yep. Okay. We are. Um, so can you still hear my dog or no? <laughs> just a little bit. It's not oh, too bad. Okay. It's. <laughs> Sorry um, about that. It's like I don't know. No, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I think let's. Uh, I'll t- I'll tell people in the the intro. It'll be a drinking game. Every time you hear Chubby make a make an old dog noise, you got to take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, Chubby. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
Well, I would like to talk to you about your music um, really, really quick before we're, on, uh, before we're done. You have stuff on Spotify. And mm-hmm. what, how would you describe the music that you make with Modular? And what's, what's like a typical live setup look like for you? A uh, live set for me is uh, definitely a hybrid between um, like my Modular case, uh, a lot of percussion, and uh, like one or two like voices, like maybe the BIA or the a complex oscillator, and then like the Digitact and the Digitone and a three L three. That's okay. That's cool. like a typical. I do switch it up a lot or switch things in and like switch things around and stuff like that. But for the most part, that's sort of what I sort of kind of stick to like mm-hmm. those pieces. Um, and my sound, I guess I try to keep it. Well, definitely I'm into techno and acid techno, <laughs> but um, I like mm-hmm. that old school has like an old school vibe to it. Like that sort of nineties mm-hmm. Midwest house techno kind of vibe in in with it i think that's yeah i definitely get like a a dark house vibe from from the stuff and very Uh percussive Uh um Uh yeah i was gonna ask like how like how many drum modules are you using or drum machines because that was the first thing that really stuck out when i listened to your stuff for the first time was um yeah just like really cool drums thank you the whole bottom like six u of my case is it's like dedicated to some form of like percussion well like the mixers down there too but yeah i have a Mm. lot of percussion um a lot of wmd noise engineering and um what else and some erica synths yeah okay yeah i just got the uh ssf entity percussion um and I have it right next to my BIA, and I'm like, oof. Nice. I, th- I, think, I think all I need is a couple, I, I need a couple WMD drum modules. Like, the more, I, the more I look at WMD stuff, the more I'm just like, I just, I kind of want all of the WMD stuff. Right, I know. <laughs> like the Camara, the Fracture, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I've got the Metron for my gates, Metron and Volterra, and I'm just like, I couldn't be happier yeah. with a sequencer. Like, it's so much fun. What do you use for a sequencer? Uh, I use that. I used to use oh, the yeah. Erica Synth's drum sequencer, but I switched mm-hmm. to the Metron and the Volterra. Yeah, I like the it's, layout. I can see all the the lights, especially it's right you there. Know. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like it's so easy to do it on the fly. It's mm-hmm. like instant access to like what you want to do. I I absolutely love it. Um, okay, top three drum modules. Oh, that's gonna uh, be the hard. BIA for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Fracture. Which one is that? Is that like a general percussion or because I know they have like cymbals and snare and. It's like I use it for like hats. So okay. The, um, and I, ooh, if I have to pick a third, it would probably be the Camara. Their other, okay. it's another module. Yeah, yeah. BIA is like you can't, you cannot mess with that module i love that thing yeah Um, i had i had the yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's it's one of the best modules um and you know like yeah yeah it's actually one of my first modules too so yeah 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 i had the the basimilis a teratos non-alter version 
before. Oh, okay. Um, and I just got the altar and, and I, I like, I like having those extra options and having it a little smaller. Um, yeah, I, it's, yeah. It's a drum module and percussive, but, um, I've pulled like a, like a bass, bass lines out of it. Like sounds like a bass guitar, like Mm -hmm. a pluck bass guitar. And Mm -hmm. like when I, Corey and I, we did this, a force, like may the force be with you thing. Uh And my lead ARP, like my high lead ARP was the BIA. I just patched it and did something that didn't even, you didn't even use it for any sort of drum or percussion. It's very dynamic. I actually, yeah. yeah, yeah. I use it a lot for like, um, almost like music box, kind of creepy music box, like high, oh, like, like ding, bro- ding. yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> very yeah, cool. like like bro- broken mobiles or whatever. Um, well, cool. Are you up for a patch challenge? Sure. All right. Let me generate. Let me let me pull out the uh, the patch challenge generator. What kind of mood are you in right now? Ooh, I'm sort of in a upbeat well yeah i don't know (laughs) rhythmic or okay so that's uh, that's between like rhythmic and happy which would you pick rhythmic probably rhythmic okay let's see oh (laughs) okay so i picked rhythmic as the mood and it says a rhythmic tattoo but that doesn't make any sense (laughs) Uh, <laughs> sometimes, yeah, sometimes the, uh, the patch challenge generator gives me some syncopated motif. Hmm. Okay. Let me know when you hear something you like. Syncopated motif. That's kind of, in- is that interesting? I can't tell. <laughs> that could be interesting. Okay. Let's put that on the list of maybes. Okay. Reverberant unison. Hmm. Oh, this is a so on the nose. This one says percussion instrument hearts. Percussion <laughs> instrument hearts. Yeah, I th- it gave me three words. I don't know. I need to, Sam. We need to. We need to debug this. We need to get it to, to uh, two, two words. Um. What was the what was the one earlier? Syncopated uh, motif. That or untuneful swing. Syncopated motif. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let me write that down. Cool. Well, um, thank you so much for joining me tonight. It's been very nice to uh, get to know you, and I appreciate your time. Thanks for Is having me. Is there anything? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Is there anything you uh, want to point people in the direction of or shout from the modular mountaintops before we uh, we sign off? Ooh. Um. Wow. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, well, if you're in the SoCal area, like, or just now online, just check out Southern California Synth Society because I'm sure we're in the, we're going to be doing another synth summit. So just be on the lookout for that. Um, And I don't know, I have a new EP coming out. I tried something a little different where it's like all live recorded. It's coming out on Aquila Records. So that should be pretty cool. And now here is Trevarsi's Syncopated Motif. 
right, that was great. Thank you so much, Shanda, for being on the show. And please go check out SoCal Synth Society and all their haps online and, uh, you know, keep updated with what they're doing because they're doing cool stuff um, during this pandemic and I'm sure beyond. Uh, also, check out Shanda's music. And uh, I want to say thank you to Needham Woodworks, Eschatonic Modular, After Later Audio, and their Heritage Line, uh, 4MS, and Recovery Effects. And please, uh, please, please, please try to enjoy yourself. Until next week. <laughs>